and thanks for listening to the Northern Logger Podcast. This month, we spoke with Ed Berry. Ed Berry is a fourth-generation logger who's worked the same woods, the Kennebec River land base in central Maine, for nearly 60 years. In his time, he has seen the land change hands from Diamond International to Scott Paper to S.D. Warren to Sappy, Plum Creek, and now Weyerhaeuser. He's also seen logging technology change dramatically from the horses his father worked with to the mechanized harvesters he and his son run today. Throughout all these changes, he's strived to be the best logger he can be, focusing on the thing that he does best, harvesting timber. Thanks to Ed Berry for this conversation. Hey, can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I think we're in good shape then. I learned of you from a forester. He told me that you worked on the Kennebec River land base and then were involved in river drivers and horse logging and then that you now operate a grapple skitter in the same area. That's about what I know. And I would I would just like to, I guess, kind of hear your story of how you got into the industry. Okay, I, I'm, um, I'll be 68 in a week, and I started working in the woods almost 60 years ago. My father at that time was uh, worked horses in the woods, and I started out uh, working nights, weekends, and days off, driving twitch horses or driving a team, and yarding wood that way, and in the middle 60s he got one of the first skidders around here and I started running SAR and I bucked on the yard until I was about 16 and from then on I started cutting down in the woods I and uh, I have been in the woods professionally ever since um, while well, I graduated school and early in 72 and all I've ever done is cut wood I uh, I I cut down in the woods and hitched up with a skitter, what's called the conventional logger up this way, on this land base for 50 years. Prior to that, my father was wor- and I worked with him some was working for Diamond International in the same area, but they went out of they went out of business. They they sold their land base off, and we went to work for Scott Paper in '72. And I worked. We've worked for Scott Paper, S.D. Warren, Sappy, Plum Creek, and now Warehouser are the owners of this land base, and we've been here all this all this time. Him and I worked together for years. Um, I, as I say, I I was the one who cut the trees down all day. I stayed in the woods, and I would cut and hitch up the skidders. We had multiple skidders, and I would hitch up skidders, and and then he would take them, and then later on when my son got older, he would help, and they would just keep bringing me back skidders, and I stayed in the woods and cut all day long. Uh, Then um, we stayed doing that. My dad passed away in 04, and my son has been working with me for about 25 years or so now, and... Uh, a couple of years ago, his back was bothering him real bad, and the doctors came to the conclusion that he couldn't lug a chainsaw and pull on cables and things, uh, but he wanted to stay in the logging business. So because I'm about 68 and looking closer to the end than the beginning, 
uh, he wanted to go mechanical, so we bought. Mecha- uh, we still have our conventional equipment, our cable skidders, but we moved over and bought a delimmer and grapple skidders, and for about a year and a half now, uh, we've been doing it mechanically, but for the same land base and the same area and the same towns. And yeah, I now drive a grapple skidder and. That's probably, well, other than doing training for CLP, the Certified Logging Professional Program, I I train spring and fall for them with a chainsaw um, techniques that I created over a period of about 15 years. And in fact, I made a video for them to do training by uh, five, six years ago, if you was on the computer on CLP and looked up Ed Berry's advanced felling techniques, you'd find about a, oh, my my daughter made the video, and they use it for training uh, all over Maine and Canada and whatever. That's cool. So I'm curious, the only felling techniques that I've really observed are the game of logging techniques? Okay, we started with game of logging. We, we went, uh, we got a phone call from our insurance company yeah, just before mud season in 1996. And we always had personal workers' compensation. In fact, the company used to require that you have personal workers' compensation to hold the contract. So my father and I and my son, we had, we had the call. We got a phone call saying that the only way our insurance would be renewed was if we went to CLP training. And... <laughs> After being loggers forever, my son's fifth generation of logger, uh, we, you know, we went because we had to. But uh, they added a dimension to logging that we didn't have before, which was the idea of it wasn't how many cards you cut today and how much money you made today. It was how much you made today, but also that you got home tonight. Uh, in 1981, I had an accident, a logging accident, and lost my face. Uh, <laughs> mm. And the doctors uh, reluctantly cut me loose from the hospital, signing the papers totally disabled for life, and told me I could never work again. I have a plastic face. And they wanted to reoperate and all blah blah blah, but I wouldn't go along with that. I went back to work 21 days from the day I was injured. But I, I guess, uh, well, in '99, CLP decided to, with uh, the promotion of the Huber Corporation and another one, they gave away. Uh, they wanted to decide who was the best logger in Maine and. Canada CLP game of logging style and I won that and I was I I got a thousand dollars a jack and the jacket and the plaque uh, the jacket and the plaque meant the most to me to to be recognized that way but when they when I got my plaque and stuff they asked me if I'd say a word or two and I said yeah I said uh, I want to say that. CLP and game of logging is a great thing because it's added safety to the program of of logging that we didn't have before. I, I was a uh, I was always a bull riding 
Uh, I watched it on TV, and I liked a guy by the name of Tuff Hedeman. He was about my age, and he'd had an accident about like mine. But anyway, he made a statement that I've never forgot. He said that bull riding, and as I told them, logging everywhere I'd always been, had one thing that they said. It isn't if you get hurt, it's when and how bad. Right. And it was expected that... I knew people who'd been killed. I knew people who'd been maimed. Uh, it was just, it was part of the culture, and game logging and CLP tried to take that out of it. They they tried to replace that with, you know, it's not, well, they told you it was the number one most dangerous occupation, according to the uh, uh, insurance people in the country. And they tried to do something about that, and they and the safety tech uh, part that they added to it has meant a great deal. And the techniques that I created, um, most of them are not just safety for the tree, but they're one of them especially is safety for for the person. And I've had loggers come to me and tell me after training and and using it that it saved their life because. What it does is it gives them the opportunity to be in control of the tree. If the tree doesn't want to go or whatever, well, if as I say, if you was to look it up on the computer on, on CLP's website, you you could see the video and and the things that I that I have trained, and, and that's what I continue to train them on. I have techniques that I created because game of logging is a great thing. But the minute that I tried to use it out in the field, uh, the basics of it um, <laughs> worked good by theory, but didn't work on every tree. And as a production seller in the woods, you've got to produce um, as fast as you can, as best as you can, and and you the product's got to come out right. And and the problem I had with game logging style. Not only um, did it cut down on my speed with a chainsaw, but it um, when I started selling trees in areas that were rocky or not flat ground or whatever, um, trees got split, and split trees are really a bad thing. If you're cutting trees, that's about one of the most dangerous things for a logger is to try to deal with that. Um, but this trees, it, it just didn't work for me. And I I wanted the safety parts of it, but uh, so I began to develop things without without destroying it. I, I, I developed techniques to add to it that made it work well for me. And it has worked well enough. So uh, CLP got it certified by OSHA to accept these, these alterations and that I do, and uh, as I say, and I, 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 uh, spring and fall, they get me to when I have any time to uh, train for them. In fact, Mike St. Peter called me two mornings ago and uh, to see if I'd be able to train for them this next month, and I'm in hopes that I'll be able to. I, as I say, now I'm I'm a mechanical logger as well as a as a conventional logger. In fact, when I 
got my recertification papers last winter. They were made up that I was certified both ways, and I'm the only person they know of that is. Uh, I'm certified for machinery as well as for conventional cutting, chainsaws, and cable skin. How has the transition been at your business from, from going from conventional to mechanical? Well, we worked for where, when Warehouser took over, Warehouser is the most safety conscious people that we've ever worked for. The other ones, um, uh, S.D. Warren, they were the ones who had us that demanded the personal workers' comp. You know, I don't know. It was like, well, we're concerned for you, but you buy the comp and you take care of yourself. But, but you know, accidents happen and those and whatever. But Warehouser is so conscious of safety that they have safety meetings on your job every so many weeks, and uh, they come and check everything as far as how you're operating and meetings with you. But you know, they're, they're very concerned for the well-being of the logger as well as the finished product, which you know, has been a good thing, but they they would really like to have all mechanical loggers over conventional because um, they don't want it. They don't want the injuries, and even though they're not paying for it, they don't want them on the on on their land base. They don't want them to take place, and and in their mind, uh, me- mechanical logging is safer than conventional logging. And again, as my son and I always say, it isn't the fault of the machine or the chainsaw. The mistakes are made by the person that are handling them. So injuries can come anyway. But he, it has worked good for my son. Uh, he's able to run machinery without a problem with his back. So he's going to be able to stay in this business, whereas if we hadn't gone mechanical, he would have had to go into something else. He would have. Right. He, and he, he likes equipment. Um, I'm not a great lover of equipment. I have nothing against it, but, you know, I, I'd rather run a chainsaw all day personally than I would anything else because that's what I've done most of my life. But running a grapple skitter and working with my son is still very rewarding, and, and uh, the company likes the, the job they're getting, and... In fact, because of the way the land base has been cut with previous owners, a lot of the land uh, that we would like to cut, which is closer to where we live, uh, is pretty much you're going to do it mechanical in order to operate it or not at all, and which is beneficial for us, you know. So it seems like it's been the the right the right uh, direction to go and and. It has a bigger future in it. Uh, mechanically, you can work in some areas um, with the type of wood that's growing. You know, not as big. You know, wood, does, you know, you're not cutting big wood or whatever. Don't you're cutting it more often. You don't give it time enough to get to that size. But mechanical logging actually is uh, does a better does better in those situations. So it's kind of Actually, the best thing, if we're going to stay for this uh, land base, it's actually the best thing to do. So, right. you know, <laughs> that's what it's come to. You know, the the place of the conventional logger working for the companies is is 
has been squeezed down to a lot smaller uh, places to do things and work than it used to be. And private land is becoming, well, we, we don't do that. We haven't, but if we've, we've been asked to do it many, many times, but we've stayed with the company. Um, but the private land, you'd still be traveling more and, and, the restrictions and all the things that go with it. Uh, so we think that I think that we're doing what's, you know, for the day and the age, what's best to do if you're going to stay in the logging business. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about the land that you work on? Because you know, you probably know it just about better than anybody. Yeah. Well, I've worked everywhere from, I guess, the southernmost spot was uh, in unity on the company land. We worked there a couple of different years, and I've worked as far north as, uh, as Jackman. They own further than that, but I personally have worked between unity and Jackman uh, most every town that they have. Uh, I've been in most of the, the organized and unorganized towns and townships. Uh, they own quite a... You know, they own a lot of land, but they also have quite a network of uh, road system within it, which makes it, you know, great for being able to access it. And it's also good for the public because they let the public on their land uh, free of charge everywhere. So, but, uh, no, I worked in all of those areas. Some of them are flat. Some of them are mountainous. Uh you go up through, well, I've, I've worked in Greenville as well, I guess, and that was on the side of a mountain. But we've worked right here in Scowigan. Well, Scowigan is not far from us. There are mountains there that we've worked on. Uh, uh, you name it for types of terrain, and, and they own it, and we, we've been on it. Uh, and, we'll, and as they say, they, they are they're in a... Uh, uh, future-looking company. They're always looking for advanced ways on their land base of doing things uh, with a sustainable future to it. You know, and I, that's why we like it. You know, that's why we like working on the company. Um, they own a lot of land within the proximity of where we live. Uh, right now, we're working. Um, only about 20, 20 miles, I guess, one way to work. I have driven 100 miles, but they try to keep us, uh, well, they they are also the opinion that their loggers are spread out all over their, their land base area, and the best thing for a logger, you know, is to be able to get in the t as much time as he can but at, at work, but be as close to home as he can so that, you know, the, the few hours you have off, you're not driving a vehicle to and from. That's one right. of the bad things with some of the people I know who are, who are logging and not on company land. I know a lot of guys who travel upwards of two hours each way a day and Oh my gosh! And, and not just the cost of it, but I tell you what—you get into a pickup in the morning and beat for pretty near two hours, and then you work all day, and then you beat pretty near two hours coming back. It shortens a lot of people's desire to be a logger up. You know, I can understand and, that. I mean, not as many young people want to do it um, because of 
the fact that, you know, while mechanically you're not out in the elements as much as we always were, but um, just the travel and things like that bother. But as I say, working for the company, they they try to locate, uh, try to work you as close to where you're located as possible, and that's a big benefit. Right. Well, so how are your markets now? Right now, well, of course, it didn't help in the state of Maine when when uh, Pixel, which was in uh, the old IP mill and J, when that blew up, that hurt softwood pulp market. They used a lot of all species of softwood pulp, and that hurt that market. And right now, the, they were just here uh, to tell us this week that uh, the markets looked really good for the summer. Uh, hardwood logs, which has been kind of up and down, looks better. Uh, pine logs, you can't get enough of them. They haven't been able to all winter, and, and that market's really good. Uh, the uh, softwood stud mill market is, they want more than they can get. Um, what I like about Weyerhaeuser that I I like Plum Creek. I like the people who run it because every company is only the people who run it. But most of the major decisions are now made by somebody in Washington State or whatever, and we live in Maine. And sometimes there's a big disconnect between the two. But when Plum Creek owned the land, all they could think about because they they sold off some parts of it, but. All they could think about was cut all you can that you can sell. But warehouses of the opinion that um, we're going to cut so much a year and sustain what we have growing on our land base so we don't deplete it just because we could make a little extra money this year. Mm-hmm. And I like that. You know, they've, yeah. got, they've got the future in mind, and that's, that's a good thing. You, you know, it's like... If you were selling vegetables, if you picked them all and sold them today and people come tomorrow, you got nothing. But warehouses set up so that they, they will, no matter how bad somebody wants to buy what they've got, they're only going to cut so much a year. Right. So yeah. they, they, they don't cut themselves out of, out of you know, out of a market. That's some of the benefits anyway that we've always stayed with the company. Uh, on the land, the land base, and whoever owned it, because they they do the forestry, they do the marketing, and all what we do is we show up with our equipment, do the job, and they handle the rest of it. So we can be loggers when we're not foresters by trade, we're not salesmen by trade, uh, or brokers or whatever, and. We've always been of the the opinion if you concentrate on what you do well and and do it every day, uh, you'll do a better job at it. And right. It works out that way for us. That makes sense. Uh, did your son always want to go into it? My son has been riding on a skitter since he was about. Well, his first ride was he was a few months old, but when he was a little shaver. Uh, at that time, it was S.D. Warren, and they didn't say anything. He used to ride on a seat inside the cab with his grandfather from the time he was about two years old. And when he could get to the woods, he was there. And summers and whatever, and 
and vacations and learning the trade and he always liked being outdoors and doing those things and and so and I didn't have any that's the trade that I had so that's what I offered him and and uh he liked it and he he likes the outdoors and and the logging business and everything and and so he stuck with it amazing yeah well, that's great. I guess, uh, what do you find to be the most challenging thing about logging in your area right now? Mm. Well, the price of fuel is a bad thing. Yeah, so, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'd say that the up spiraling cost of everything right now, like um, we just, uh, we bought, Two grapple skidders this year, off from the company up north, and excellent machines. But one of them, uh, about six weeks ago, we had to put a hydraulic pump on it. Okay, that same pump had been put on the other one just before we bought the machine. And in that short period of time of less than six months, they, the two pumps were bought at the same Nortrack store, and and the price doubled. Um, everything we had here, my son had to get a, uh, a new, um, rotary software uh, for his delimmer. And they told him when he got there to pick it up, that the price of steel had gone up so much in the last few months that if he'd have bought it six months ago, it would have been half price. Yeah. So I'd say that, you know, the, the spiraling up costs of of not only fuel but uh pot and a big problem the other i guess the other the biggest problem of all even even above the cost last spring we decided we needed to put a brand new motor in the dilemma okay mm-hmm. it used to be you could call the whoever you your dealer was and you could buy a motor. We did that with our pulp truck. I called and O'Connor's where he bought the truck, and they took it in, and they put a brand-new Cummins motor in it, and we were out the door in a couple of days. We were They were about three weeks finding a motor. They didn't think in, in the United States or Canada, this is a Caterpillar Corporation, what we call. It's a cat machine, and they weren't sure for a couple of weeks if they could find us a motor in in the North America, they mm-hmm. finally f- got us one out of Washington State, and we was down. I think my son was down with the machine about three weeks, and the extent of the downtime was pretty near just getting the motor. And I've heard that from a lot of people that their biggest problem they had was not only is the price of everything gone up, but it's not available to be had. Right. So I'd say that right now in this area, the biggest concern of most loggers is getting what they need to keep the machinery going. Mm. Um, and and in some cases, even getting a machine. Uh, one guy in town, he, he finally got it, but he ordered it last summer. He finally got a, a, a skitter that he bought new, but... He was on such a he was on this long waiting list to get the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company couldn't get it for him, and I've heard that from a lot of a lot of contractors that 
They simply either can't get the parts to repair what they have, or they can't get a new machine to take the place of it. And, you know, you, you in this business, not just for taxes, but for the future, you have to keep upgrading stuff, either putting in motors or whatever. But right now, it's pretty near impossible to do that. And that that's a real detriment to, to business if you can't get what you got to have in order to operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing, people around here, they can't get any employees, but that's not just the logging business. Yeah, totally. All right, well, well, thank you. Um, this is a great interview, and I think I've got what I need to write the, the story. And I hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. You too. All right, Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Northern Logger Podcast, and thanks to Ed for agreeing to speak with us. If you want to read Ed's full story, you can get a copy of our May Northern Logger magazine. And we also hope to see you at our expo this month in Essex Junction, Vermont. That's May 6th and 7th at the Champlain Valley Expo in Essex Junction, Vermont. Have a great month.